0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast and the Future of X series. As always, we are diving deep into new and emerging tech territories in this series. Today, we're going to be discussing the future of electric vehicles. This is an even more critical topic right now, as transportation comes back to a world that has been used to working from home. To discuss this topic, we have with us Vivekananda Helikare, CEO and co-founder of electric mobility startup Bounce. Bounce has been trying to reimagine personal mobility in India for a while now, and Vivek has been at the forefront, championing its cause and making sure a famously slow-adopting country makes the switch faster. This is an even more pertinent problem now, as global shocks drive oil prices higher and consumers look for alternatives. His journey with Bounce is a remarkable one, as you will see, and is all the most special to me, Because I've been involved for a while with the journey, right from the early days. So let's dive in. There's so much to cover today. Vivek, welcome to the podcast. It's a pleasure to have you. Same day when I got my Bounce Infinity scooter.
1: So welcome. Thank you, Alan. Super excited.
0: Awesome. So today I want to rewind the clock and start from your journey from a CA to a startup founder. Maybe we'll... Spend some much time on that first. Sure, Anand. Sure,
1: sure. So it's been a long uh, journey as such. As in we started uh, Wicked Ride, uh, which is which is still the same company and uh, the Bounce as a brand. We started in 2014, so it's almost like uh, closing to a decade now. Uh, doing something or other in mobility. Um, so uh, used to work with KPMG. Uh, I was there for a year. Uh, one thing I think, uh, thanks to KPMG, I used to uh, commute a lot. Um, The kind of traffic that I used to be stuck at uh, kind of uh, got me thinking on how much we spend on fuel and how boring it is to be stuck in traffic. This is Bangalore? This is Bangalore. Yeah. And it's uh, only become worse. (laughs) And it was 2012. Yeah. And uh, it used to take 45 minutes uh, to get from where I used to be and uh, Kormala Inner Ring Road. It got me thinking that um, uh, I tried a lot of things while in the commute. I thought I'll listen to music. I thought I'll listen to books or whatever, right? So those days. But um, uh, nothing could keep me going on. It was a very uh, monotonous time of my whole day as such. I did carpool then. Then I thought that carpool was an interesting part there. I thought if you can meet uh, interesting people on your ride, then you forget that you're commuting, right? So I always used to wonder why carpool hasn't taken off. So that's when I thought if, uh, if you can reduce the fuel, pro- your cost of commuting and also if you can bring in carpool, it would be an interesting thing. But forgot about that, uh, quit KPMG to start my own practice. Um, then uh, one of these days, me, Anil and Varun, we were chatting on a bunch of ideas that we were working on.
0: Practice as a CA, nothing <laughs> to do with yeah, nothing to do with yeah. Uh, yeah. startup or
1: anything of that sort. Yeah, uh, We felt that um, a self-ride car is what we wanted to do, but in a different fashion where we put you on a subscription, um, you get to work, you ride it yourself, you leave it there. After that, it should run like a taxi. And again, it will be available to you in the evening. That was the initial plan. To pilot it, uh, you needed some 50 cars as per government rules, which we could not afford then. Uh, So then we knew that you just need five scooters to try it out. So we thought we will probably start on luxury motorcycle rentals. Mm. We had seen Anil spending too much time waiting for his Royal Enfield. So we thought uh, it makes sense for people not to own luxury motorcycles and they can just pay as they go, uh, as in they rent it for a day or two or for a week. And uh, we thought it's a... Uh, ideal thing to do. So that's how we started. Uh, wicked ride it. Uh, we started with a Facebook page saying that hey, you can rent a holiday and now. I'd say a thousand bucks. Get uh, a wicked ride. On yeah, Hollywood. get a wicked ride. Right.
0: <laughs> okay. And
1: uh, funny thing is, uh, Anil's uh, then girlfriend. Suggested the name uh, Wicked Ride because she felt that whatever we were doing was very wicked. Oh, because we get good, way. Uh, yeah. In a, <laughs> as in, she yeah. said we get access to all the beautiful motorcycles, but yeah. someone else, else is paying for it. Yeah. So even on a worst case basis, we have a lot of motorcycles to ride around. Yeah. So we started with one motorcycle, and we figured very quickly that uh, while it's fun, and we were stuck with day-to-day business of uh, rentals, we knew that it's not a large business to go after. We did a lot of permutation combination on how to go make it big. But um, kind of stumbled across mobility. Um, we were working with uh, Bosch on a cycle sharing project along with government. Mm-hmm. Again, that got us in a way to uh, dockless scooter sharing in its current fashion. So a series of events um, has led us to what we are today. Nice. Yeah. Let's
0: talk from uh, Wicked Ride to Bounce, the mobility yeah. and then the current shape of the business. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, so it was very clear for us that... Um, uh, we could ride. Won't be a large business. We thought we'll do motorcycle tours. We thought we'll do online dealership for uh, luxury motorcycles. Bunch of things. But we figured none of it was making sense. And uh, someone connected us to Funny. Uh, funny from RedBus uh, came over to our office and uh, met us. Uh, when was this? This was uh, 2015. Okay. And um, he asked us a very blunt question. Okay, so whatever you're doing is good, but are you doing it out of passion for motorcycles? We said no. Then he said, um, are you sure you want to be doing this for the rest of your life? Because it's not going to be a sizable business. Uh, he asked us, why are you not working on uh, commute as such? Or smaller form factor scooters like Honda Activa. Why are you not training? We said the unit economics doesn't make sense. And, um, uh, but he was very clear saying that, I don't know what the answer is. But uh, I don't want you guys to wake up one day and feel that you've lost four or five years trying to do something which um, you should not be doing. Mm. Uh, unless you're passionate about it. That got us thinking. Next couple of months, we spent quite a bit of time figuring out what we should do. That cycle-sharing project with Bosch kind of uh, got us to commute. Uh, we pitched to Bosch saying that, hey, cycle-sharing projects, uh, the way it is done, government used to fund these projects. We used to say that it can be much lesser, uh, the cost at which you uh, put up these projects. So we said we can make a lock for these cycles uh, instead, of have, uh, instead of having a dock, which can bring down the cost from 30000 to 5000 We were working on that. That's when we figured while we are doing this for government and government wants the project to be executed, we knew that we would not be using cycle as a way to move from point A to point B, right? Mm. We started asking this question, uh, started uh, diving deep to answer why or what, etc. And what is working outside? Um, Then we figured that instead of cycle, the same solution, instead of cycle, if you can make it on a scooter. Mm. Scooter as such is something which we all know, right? Whether we own scooter or not, we know how to ride. Uh, People are very comfortable with riding. Uh, The two-wheeler ecosystem is very robust, including insurance, lending. So we thought if we can make the scooters keyless. The reason we wanted to make it keyless was that you should be able to use your scooter. Like how if you had bought a scooter, how would you use it? The same experience we wanted to give it to you, but you don't own the scooter. Mm. You pay for the time and distance only you use. And we felt that this can be the new age public transport which is also affordable, which is scalable. And there is no human in the solution from a driver point of view, right? You ride it yourself. Mm. So we felt it's it's a fantastic thing to go after. And that's how we decided to do Metro Bikes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we used to call it Metro Bikes then. Yeah. Um, we had not raised any uh, institutional capital then. Uh, we had two angels who had uh, given us some money. So we did some prototypes. And then as you know, we came to you and uh, Sequoia and yeah. uh, got this going. You guys wrote us the first check. From there, it has been a crazy journey.
0: Awesome. So walk us through that journey. So you started uh, Metro Bikes, rebranded as Bounce, and then COVID happened maybe. Yeah, Yeah.
1: Yeah. So uh, we called it Metro Bikes. Uh, uh, We didn't spend too much time thinking what do we call it. Uh, We initially thought we'll call it Apna Ride. Mm -hmm. Uh, We even had a handle called Apna Ride. Wicked Ride was a luxury motorcycles and Apna Ride was for everyone, right? Mm -hmm. It's like uh, everyone's ride kind of thing. But uh, uh, we faced a lot of... um, uh, uh, Flashback in Bangalore, people started asking, why are you calling um, a Bangalore-based company as uh, Apna Ride Hindi? And all. Mm. And we were launched out of Metro Station as well. Yeah. So we thought we'll call it Metro Bikes. It's mm. neutral. Yeah. And uh, once we uh, raised capital and we wanted to go full-fledged across India, and we knew today we are doing it on a two-wheeler and we are doing this, but we didn't know how the solution will evolve over a period of time. Mm. right? So we wanted to come up with a name which has nothing to do with the form factor, nothing to do with the city. And no confusion around what it is, right? Metro bikes. People were confused whether it's cycles, it's metro station, metro mm. cities. So with a lot of struggle, we came out with a, a name, bounce, uh, which also is 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 a, a, a term that people use, right? Let's bounce when yeah. you want to go, yeah. you say let's bounce. Mm. So we thought it 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 sounds nice. Um, we started with that. The biggest challenge for us was while two wheelers were available out there, making it keyless, uh, which means you remove the key and make it. Keyless today, mm-hmm. while you see a lot of electric scooters now claiming keyless, mm-hmm. we did that on a petrol scooter. Mm-hmm. And the biggest challenge of doing that on a petrol scooter is it has a small lead acid battery, which has to power your whole telematics. And when you do this in our solution, the scooters can be any legal parking, and the app should show where the scooter is. And to be precise, right, you should it should be able to take you there. And with the telecommunication network to everything, right, even the Bluetooth had not Bluetooth 2.0 was still not there. So we came up with a simple keypad and we made the experience similar to something which people would have experienced in somewhere in their life. So we put in a keypad. We didn't go with Bluetooth based access. You book a scooter, you find a scooter, you book the scooter, you get a pin, like how we have an ATM pin, you get an OTP and you put the OTP on the keyboard, uh, keypad on the scooter, vehicle unlocks, you ride it anywhere, uh, leave it in a legal parking and walk away. Yeah. Uh, the biggest challenge of doing this was building that IoT device. Yeah. Uh, you know how much we struggled. Um, yeah, 60, 70 versions of it. Yeah, was, yeah. I think 72 <laughs> versions of firmware yeah. to make it work for location accuracy to a bunch of things. And uh, it started working while well. we raised capital June 2018. For the next two quarters, it was just iterating on the hardware and the firmware. Uh, it was stable in Jan. It got stable in Jan 2019 for us. I still remember Jan, we started with uh, close to about 1,000 rides a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, 300 scooters doing more or less uh, 3 rides, 1,000, scooter, 1,000 rides a day. By Jan and we were at 10,000 rides. Our target was uh, 10,000 rides by Jan. And we did 10,000 rides by Jan. And after we knew that the hardware was working, all we had to do is go out and deploy more scooters. Mm-hmm. Um, the kind of limits we hit was very interesting. Um, uh, the OEM we used to work with, could not supply so many vehicles at one shot. So they dedicated a plant to us to do this. Uh, the helmet manufacturer was not making in so much quantity. We had to help him set up a plant and get helmets going, right? So it was interesting from January 2019 by July or early August, we had scaled to close to about 25, 30,000 scooters, doing close to about 120,000 rides a day. Mm. Uh, to bring context on what 100,000 or 120,000 rides a day mean, in Bangalore, about hundred thousand rides is then was equivalent to one third of what Bangalore Metro Rail used to do. Wow. Okay. And and it in a very short span of uh, six, six seven months, months, right? Yeah, yeah. But the beauty that we see uh, this is uh, twenty let's say twenty five thousand scooters, twenty five million dollars of capital gone into this, moving one third of what a public transport moves. While if you put an equivalent cost on the cost of uh, building Metro Rail, it was a few billion dollars mm. uh, for the line, which which was etc. So. We strongly believe that for it has to be a mix of everything. Public transport is the only way for this to scale. But there are a bunch of cities, bunch of regions where public transport in its current fashion would not work. As in metro rail, the bus network would not work. It doesn't do the cost justification uh, for the scale that they would see. So we we strongly believe that two-wheelers, now electric, uh, two people sharing a ride, or it's a same scooter being ridden throughout the day by a different set of people— can be one of the best ways of building public transport for India. Mm. Um, so visualize the system where it's like a public transport for a city, uh, few vehicles which can move people around, and probably even people can invest on those scooters. The, the BBMP can invest there. So it can be a public um, uh, uh, a transport kind of thing, which we're visualizing, which is scalable, uh, which will not lose money. And it can be a very reliable way of moving from point A to point B. And also plugs in really well with public transport. So this is what we did. Mm-hmm. And uh, we launched second city, Hyderabad. We were doing about twenty, twenty five thousand 25,000 rides. And then we figured that uh, even Europe uh, for that sake, right? There are a lot of European cities where scooters are used. Uh, shared scooters, like free float scooter sharing is the term that the world uses, right? There were one or two players who were doing this. They had not scaled it. So we were thinking of doing this in Europe as well. We were scouting for companies to acquire. Because we were... Uh, to give you context about Europe versus India, we used to charge uh, in dollar cents, dollar-wise, dollar, dollar wise, we used to charge 80 cents for a 40-minute ride. In Europe, uh, they were charging 33 cents for a minute. Mm. Wow. Yeah. And uh, beauty is that whenever a company goes from India to elsewhere, the cost also goes up. But for us, since it's a driverless solution, that cost doesn't add up. And the software is built in India, built for scale. So, we felt that we can really make money there. Mm. So, we started scouting. Uh, we came back and then COVID happened. Mm. <laughs> so, uh, so
0: talk us through COVID and now you're yeah. launching your EV. So, yes, how did that yes, happen? Yes,
1: yeah. yes, We've launched our electric scooter. December 2021, we launched our scooter and we started delivering uh, in April. In Bangalore, we started the delivery and then we are now delivering it in Delhi and Hyderabad. Uh, in next few weeks, we should be able to deliver in top uh, few cities of India. Uh, we have taken a hybrid model where we will have a dealer, and we will also have online sales. Currently, we have seen close to about sixty thousand pre-bookings wow. coming on our website. People have paid five hundred to five thousand bucks and reserved a scooter, and we have started delivering it to them. Um, the when we but uh, well, it's a big change from being a rental player uh, to making scooters. Right. Yeah. The reason uh, this happened in a way uh, is that. Electric scooters were very important for our business, uh, We our scooter sharing business. We knew a lot of pain that we were going through uh, in petrol vehicles will go away the second we switched to electric. Uh, to give an example, when we were operating with petrol scooters, we had like four teams trying to figure certain problems around petrol scooter. For mm. instance, how do you make the lead acid uh, battery power this was one team's work. Power the telematics. Power the telematics and keep the vehicle going. Yeah. Second was, um, how do you make sure that the petrol can't be stolen? Um, so that petrol used to be a sensor big issue, yeah, petrol sensor. How yeah. do we know that how much fuel is left? How do we make sure that the petrol is vehicle is always refueled? Um, then the parking issue was there. The parking issue was also in a way connected to uh, telematics because the more data we get from telematics, the more accurate it is for us to figure out whether people are parking to the right place or not. And that again led us back to the size of the battery. and uh, uh, we had mechanical uh, things to make sure that the engine listens to us. Mm-hmm. Remotely shutting it down, etc. So the challenge with ICE vehicle is that the in, on a two-wheeler, it is, it is not CAN engine. enabled. ICE is yeah, inter- ICE is, uh, yeah. petrol vehicles, yeah. petrol scooters. Yeah. Uh, they are not CAN enabled. As in, you can't communicate with it. It by itself works, but you can't pull out data from it. In cars, they have CAN enabled. As in, you can talk to the engine, etc. On two-wheelers, they are not. um So the biggest challenge is to how do you communicate with the vehicle, right? As in, if you don't want the vehicle to be doing certain things, can you shut it down, Mm -hmm. etc. all of that. So, there are a bunch of challenges like this. Uh, On electric, both the motor and the battery are smart. You Mm. can talk to them, you can shut it down. Uh, The battery size is much higher. And the biggest thing is that it doesn't have oil changes required. Uh, Most of the parts are eliminated. So, the only thing you have to make sure is brake cable, accelerator cable, and tire changes uh, once in a while. Uh, But the vehicle is good to go. Mm. So, the amount of money that we spend on keeping the vehicle up and about comes down drastically on an electric vehicle. So we knew that makes a lot of sense. And battery can communicate all the time. Battery can't be stolen. Even if it's stolen, it can't be put to use. So there are a bunch of mechanisms that we can. So we started with subcontractor to make our electric scooters. Uh, We got a prototype out. But we did not have full control over the subcontractor and uh, how we see this through. Um, uh, We also imported some scooters from China worked with a partner who was importing it, strengthened the chassis, built a battery swapping infra then. We knew that there are two things to making electric scooter work. One is a good electric scooter. Second is a how do you charge them? The charging slash swapping infra. So scooter, we made do with whatever we had. But for charging, we knew that charging the scooter would not work um, the downtime, the cost of moving a vehicle to a charging point, availability of real estate. So what we did was we followed what Goguru was doing in terms of battery swapping. But instead of having automated battery swapping stations, we used mom and pop stores, who could charge the batteries and work like a distributed battery swapping infra for us. Mm. So when COVID hit, we had already done close to about 300,000 swaps. 300,000 swaps is uh, 300,000 swaps into 40 kilometers, close to um, 1.2 million kilometers or so on electric vehicles. And it had given a very good understanding for us on what does it take. Um, And... When COVID happened, the first quarter was definitely um, a lot of thinking was going on. on How do we survive? Uh, We didn't know when the COVID was going to end. Uh, People were working from home, which meant that uh, the rights were zero. Uh, So we tried a bunch of things. But one of the things that we realized very quickly was that we should do things which will add long-term value for us. One of them being taking the problem head on. We were always trying to skirt around solving the problem, which is an asset for us, right? We thought we will uh, go out and build our scooter during this time. Definitely starting to build a scooter by scratch will take its own time. While we had teams which were working on it with the subcontractor, we thought we'll go out and acquire a company uh, which we were comfortable with. So we came across this company, 22 Motors, who were doing this for almost seven years then. Mm. That, but their focus was consumer scooters. But the philosophy was battery swapping for them. So we knew them, we had tested the scooters, and um, uh, we spoke to them and uh, uh, we decided we'll buy the company uh, to make scooters for us. That's how the uh, thinking started. We spoke to our board, uh, board was supportive. But another add-on thing that we did th- during that time was, if we are making scooters for ourselves, what stops us from making scooters for the uh, general public? Uh, we sit on 200 million plus kilometers of uh, uh, ride data on petrol vehicles. We had done a bunch of rides on EV as well. So we felt we understand what a consumer would also need, but we wanted a mode, right? As an, we can't just be another electric vehicle manufacturer. Uh, we figured that what we have in the battery swapping infra can be a game changer.
2: Mm.
1: So if you separate the battery from the equation, the, as in from the scooter, the cost of the scooter comes down by 50%. Mm. And we figured that the problem which we used to face in terms of charging is a problem which every, everybody faces in India, right? Millions of them in urban cities like Bangalore, they stay in apartments. They can't take, um, uh, They can't have a charging point at their parking space and this is the uh, well-to-do, we are talking about living in good spaces, having parking spaces, right? Bunch of, um, bulk of Indians don't even have parking space. They leave it on the roads. So how will you charge them? So we figured there are two solutions to it. One is make the battery removable so that people can carry the battery home and plug it in uh, any uh, plug point. But second, the real uh, business um, uh, model change which can help consumers and also us was that if you can offer battery as a service, where people buy just the scooters. For battery, they pay as they go. Like how they pay for fuel. Today on a fuel scooter, you don't buy loads of fuel with the scooter, right? Mm -hmm. Just buy the scooter. And whenever you're running out of the fuel, you know there is a nearby petrol bunk and you get it fueled. And people never fuel up for full tank also, right? They fuel up for the kind of money they have. Uh, I used to fuel up for 50 bucks when I was in college. Uh, For car, I used to do it for 1000 bucks. Recently, I've moved to doing full tank. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a a different story. Uh, But people are used to this concept of fueling it for their next two, three days needs. And again, they come and refuel it. Battery swapping is much more easier, right? Because uh, no smell. All you have to do is swap the battery, which takes less than probably a minute for you to uh, swap a battery, which is fully charged. And you put it in your scooter and you're good to go.
0: But question there, isn't it your asset you're giving away? and You don't buy away? the
1: battery at all. Okay, You have just had the scooter.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Battery is never yours. You have not paid for the battery at all. So let's say this, let's, let's say a scooter costs 100,000 rupees, battery co- was costing 50,000 rupees. Now what we're telling users is just buy the scooter. So just pay us 50,000 rupees. Mm. For battery, you don't own it, you pay for the range that you get. Mm. So every time you swap, let's say you pay 80 rupees, you get about 80 kilometers of range. So you're paying almost one rupee a kilometer. And, it, and actually it's a blessing for them. They don't have to worry about battery chemistry. They don't have to worry about battery life. They don't have to worry about anything. A very interesting thing that when we're talking about electric vehicles that I want to uh, talk about is, if you're taking a two-wheeler, petrol two-wheeler, once you buy it, there is no major expenditure for you other than your variable cost of fuel and probably the biggest cost is your tire change which happens once in 10,000 kilometers. But when you buy an electric vehicle, the battery which comes with the electric vehicle has a finite uh, uh, energy in it, packed in it, right, Uh, which gets exhausted. Um, Usually it's 1200 to 1400 cycles for a lithium ion NMC, which is the most uh, used battery. So after a certain uh, period that is close to about, let's say two years, uh, you have to replace the battery Mm -hmm. and the battery costs 50% of your scooter value and there is no fame subsidy on it. So for typically, if you take any of the scooters which are in the market, you will spend anywhere from 40 to 60,000 rupees to replace your battery after the life is done. It is not like lead-acid battery where you buy it and it runs forever. Uh, It goes away uh, within a finite time as such. Mm. Um, 1,200 cycles into 60 kilometers is a limited time frame of fifty to 60,000 kilometers based on how you ride it. Uh, This is something that two-wheeler users are not used to. And no OEM is talking about this. So what we are doing is we are taking a fixed cost and we are variabilizing it we are also You're adding
0: pay 1 rupee per kilometer exactly. for
1: the okay. exactly and we are also making the experience better we are saying you don't worry about how you charge it you don't worry about uh, life of the battery warranty of the battery we take care of all of that for you and you know that battery chemistry is fast evolving right it used to be nmc now we are talking about lfp because it's safer then lto is another thing all these you can say anything any like, chemistry right no i'm yeah. saying <laughs> yeah. nmc all this yeah. most yeah. most of us won't so understand why but. should consumers be yeah. put yeah. on the burden of figuring all of this out right mm. imagine you buy a scooter and 6 months later everybody tells you that uh, you're stuck with a dumb battery right mm. so you don't have to worry about it it's an organization's headache to sweat the battery faster sorry question for you then what about people who are buying the vehicle with batteries today how are you going to help so them? Our yeah. solution to them, yeah. Our solution to people as such. Yeah. We have two offerings. Yeah. One is they can buy the scooter with a battery and charger. Yeah. And they charge the battery themselves. Yeah. And if they are scared of the range, we have a battery swapping network in certain cities where they can loan a battery from us, so the range is not um, compromised. Compromised. Uh, but when it comes to their batteries, if they see that the network is up and about, they can sell their battery back to us.
2: Mm.
1: So battery is very transparent. We know how many cycles are done. We will buy the battery back from them and we will put them on the network. Got it. Okay. And even going forward, let's say they they do it after one or two years, we'll buy the battery back from them for the resource which is left in the battery. And our scooters are built in such a way that it is chemistry agnostic. We can put a LFP there. We can put a LTO there. So, they don't have to worry about it.
0: Got it. So, from mobility player to now thinking through and launching Bounce Infinity, which is your EV right into the market… And mostly currently towards consumers and then later on your mobility. Yeah, we'll yeah.
1: continue to make scooters for our own use case. Yeah, But this time, uh, the additional line of business, the way if you visualize what we do today, we used to be just a scooter sharing company before. Uh, idea of being public transport for uh, countries like India. Now we have a new line of business where we also sell scooters to consumers. Mm-hmm. They can buy it, they can own it. Uh, they can also decide not to buy the battery and use Battery as a service, which is nothing but energy as a service. So we have three verticals. One is scooter sharing. Second is EV OEM. Third is energy as a service. So we have now three lines of business. And the way we see is all of these are in a way interlinked. Um, Let's say you end up buying a scooter today. But we believe that over a period, right? Over a decade or so, people will stop um, uh, seeing the sense of owning it. They will probably subscribe to it. Hmm. Based on the kind of money they have access to, the disposable money they have access to, they might choose anywhere from pay as you go or subscription or some way of having the or access it could to it. And
0: also, right? Because people have cars and also rent cars, yes. right? In the developed markets. Yes. yes, Right. So awesome. They,
1: they could also probably rent it out. A P2P sharing can happen really well on electric vehicles because everything is transparent. Hmm. So the vehicle that you own, when you're not using it, probably you can rent it and make money from it. as
0: well. Got it. Cool. So that brings us to the topic for today, right? Which is the future of electric vehicles. I want to start with broadly your view of what's happening globally in the electric vehicle space. And then we'll jump into more of India, what's happening yeah. there. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. So globally, it's been um, electric cars which are taking off, right? The Teslas of the world and all current uh, traditional OEMs also jumping to electric. Um, uh, two challenges. Um, uh Most of the things that you use in electric uh, vehicles come from rare earth. Um, If you take the battery, battery comes with, uh, the most used cell today is lithium-ion NMC. Um, uh, So, uh, uh, nickel, uh, cobalt, uh, all of these are in rare resource, right? Including lithium. So, the prices are going up, uh, one. Uh, Motor uses magnet. Again, magnet is a rare earth. The cost is going up. Um, So, the biggest challenge today is uh, to see whether the benefits and is electric electric school, uh, vehicles scalable, right? Uh, how will countries solve for uh, limited um, access to these resources? And we also know that few countries have a dominant position when it comes to these resources, right? Um, so what's happening is that even Tesla has moved to LFP. Um, what is which, LFP? Uh, it's uh, uh, lithium ferrous phosphate. Mm-hmm. Uh, in all of these vehicles, lithium is actually a small portion. The rest of the chemicals is what takes a bunch of things, the nickel uh, and cobalt in NMC. Um, uh, so in LFP, iron is uh, dominantly used, which is available in large quantities. Um, uh, so LFP or also, the problem is, it boils down to energy density. NMC can pack, the chemistry of NMC can pack good energy in a very small space. Uh, LFP can't, uh, but it's much safer, much stable, and also the resources are abundant. So Tesla is moving towards that, um, uh, which, which in a way, will reduce the burden on NMC on rest of the world as well. Mm. Uh, today, they they plus bunch of folks occupy too much of a uh, need for this resources, which puts all of the all of the resources on stress. Um, so LFP is a good thing. Now there is also lithium titanate, which a uh, uh, few uh, companies have been thinking about. There have been buses which runs on LTO. Uh, the life of this is much longer, etc. Um, also across globe, uh, we have been one of the companies which have been working on how to make sure that there is no magnet in the motor. Uh, uh, so we have something called SRM motors, um, reluctance motors. Um, this is a tech which has been around, but they were not able to control uh, the performance of a motor uh, back in the days. But now with advancement in how controllers and other things have evolved, you can use uh, uh, SRM motors, uh, SRM uh, tech as such, which eliminates the need for more magnet, permanent magnets, and it uses basically copper. So, that's another tech which is fast evolving. So, I think both battery and motor will play a very crucial role in um, uh, uh, electric vehicles becoming the mainstream as such.
0: And you're thinking globally, that's, that's a... Red yes, that, SP, yes,
1: that's yes. Tesla moving to LFP has been a, a big uh, um, a step there. Um, and fortunately for us in two-wheelers, right, the energy required to move a two-wheeler is very small. Um, to give you an example, a Tesla car will probably have anywhere from 80 to 120 kilowatt hour of battery. Mm. Um, scooter, Our scooters usually have two kilowatt hour of battery. Another global trend which is happening, which we think over next 10 years probably will decide on is uh, battery swapping for cars as well. So there was this interesting, uh, there's this company called CATL, uh, based out of China. They manufacture cells. So they recently got into battery swapping for cars as well. Mm. They take... Uh, which we align with, is that today we end up packing too much energy storage just because to solve for range anxiety. Um, When uh, you can solve probably with 60 kilowatt hour, you put 120 kilowatt hour because you want to be safe on range. Uh, What Catal is doing, um, and there's another company called Ample in US, they're doing is they're setting up battery swapping for cars as well. Mm. Cars have huge batteries. They have mechanized battery swapping. So you go, like how you go to a fuel station, you go there and automatically the robot bat- robotic uh, battery swapping happens. So Cattle's take is that if you make battery swapping mainstream, the overall stress on battery also will come down because the, you will pack it with the right amount of energy. Hmm. So that is another uh, thing. A cell manufacturer getting into battery swapping is a game changer. Um, even Ample is doing it in US. Um, They've been backed with good investors. So we'll have to see how that takes off. Um, so, that's another interesting trend that we have to see uh, how it will happen for cars. But for two-wheelers, it's very easy. Uh, you don't need robotic arms or anything to swap batteries. They're small batteries which you can swap and you go. Okay. Cool. So, we talked
0: about the global side. Now, let's switch gears and talk about India. What's yeah. your read of what's happening on the EV side in India and where it's going?
1: Yeah. Right, right. Uh, India uh, can be a leader when it comes to electric vehicle, uh, particularly two-wheelers, right? Because India has been a Large two-wheeler market, as in uh, we have the OEMs which have been uh, churning out close to about 15 million vehicles a year. And uh, the, we have a robust infra around making vehicles. Uh, what we lack is making cells, packing batteries, and the motors, right? Motors, in a way, we India used to make good motors back in the days. Uh, now it's about uh, bringing back those uh, capabilities to make these two or three things indigenously so that we can be the exporters to the rest of the world. Uh, and the scale that we have, uh, oh, the economies of scale for just for India, helps us make scooters at the lowest cost for rest of the world. Mm. Uh, and uh, this this is going to be very interesting times, right? And uh, one, the petrol vehicles will, uh, two wheeler petrol vehicles which are being sold, will become EV, uh, whether it's 50% or 80% by 2030. Time will tell. But it's very obvious that with the way fuel prices are going up, Honda Activa which used to cost 40,000 ten years back cost close to about one twenty thousand rupees. Mm. It's super expensive. Fuel prices have gone up. And EV makes a lot of sense, right? And uh, uh, there are a lot of EV players are also coming up. OEMs are deciding what to do. They're taking their bets. So um, two things which uh, is bound to happen that EV transition will happen. Um, we think with battery swapping as a service, um, what you're doing is you're making more and more people to have access to personal mobility. Mm. In India, that's a big challenge, right? Only a small portion, 14% of total population have access to two-wheelers. Uh, 4% downcast. so total it's still under 18%. So people-to-vehicle ratio is still very small. We think it will go up. It might, uh, from 15 million vehicles we are selling, it might go to close to about 40 to 60 million vehicles over a period of time if everything does well. And then we will hit a, uh, probably we'll all realize that more vehicles on the road are not good. But and even 40 is a lot of vehicles. Yes, yeah. yes. But uh, penetration, Anand, as in public transport, hasn't scaled. Mm-hmm. That would have been the only way for people to move from point A to point B uh, in a scalable way. But that is not taking off because this current way of we are thinking about public transport is not making sense. Mm-hmm. You know, the BMTC makes so much of losses. They don't know how to get money for keeping it running. So, uh, and it moves 3 million people a day today. So That's just Bangalore. Just right? this Bangalore. Yeah. So, p- public transport um, mm-hmm. needs quite a bit of investment. It's not making profitability as such or not even breaking even. So, there is fundamental rethinking which has to happen for that to happen. Mm. So, it will take a couple of uh, decades for us to figure out on public transport and investments to be made. Till then, people have to move. So, you're saying the 100,
0: 120 million uh, uh, two-wheelers
1: will go to 200 million plus? Should. As in, if you see Southeast Asia, people to vehicle penetration, uh, we are nowhere close to them. We are probably one third of uh, people to vehicle ratio and um, uh, now with for you to get uh, get to your livelihood right you need to move mm. and uh, with the usual challenge that we see is that urban centers will be super expensive to live so you go to farther and farther places the second you go to farther and farther places to have affordable housing you, you now up. need mobility so uh, it's a vicious circle on how do you make it happen uh, but why ev like so you can say all this yeah, yeah. yeah so what happens is um, the cost per kilometer has to be affordable, right? Mm. For people to move, like affordable housing, people go farther and they stay there because the cost of living is down. Now we have to make cost of mobility also affordable, right? So on two-wheeler form factor, let's say the scooter used to cost thousand dollars. Now, um, if I remove battery from the equation, in India it's all about upfront cost challenge, right? People don't have access to disposable money or they're they're not being underwritten by banks. So, bulk of population, as in people who buy two-wheelers, 80% of them are financed, which means bank is financing it to them. Today, the number of people bank can finance at 1 lakh rupees for a scooter is, let's say, X. And if you reduce it by 50%, the number of people the bank can underwrite is much higher. Mm. And on electric vehicles, the underwriting can happen on a not just on the person's credibility, but more on the asset quality as well. On petrol vehicles, you didn't know what was happening inside the engine. You don't know how bad the engine uh, was used. Um, you didn't know what is the resale value for a, from a bank point of view. On electric scooters, both of these are transparent. The motor is transparent. The battery is transparent. And you can get all the data real time to a bank. Mm. So banks comfort on lending. One, just because it's electric vehicle will become better, which means they can underwrite not just based on the credit score of the user, but they can give a leeway because it's electric, etc. Because once you repossess, you'll be able to transparently say that this is the vehicle's life left, which can be sold at a particular price. You can also track, I'm assuming. You can track, you can Mm -hmm. remotely disable. And with battery swapping as a service, you're reducing the cost to half. So if you can underwrite, let's say, 10 people at 100,000 rupees, you can definitely underwrite probably... 50 or 100 people when the cost of the vehicle is 50,000. Mm. And when people use battery swapping, they come back to swap every once in two or three days, which means the vehicle cost also can be recovered along with the battery swapping cost. One of the biggest costs for banks when it comes to uh, financing is uh, collection of payments, right? This can be digital because battery swapping happens digitally. So the payments, you don't have to wait for 30 days. You can collect it along we with the battery swap. you micro with payments. Micro oh, payments, right? Okay, So, it's a game changer, right? Yeah. Uh, I think uh, I forgot this African company. I don't know if they are M-Pesa, Um, They uh, enabled power for African households on a micro payments. It was prepaid, um, and if you're paid, then the light glows. If you're not paid, the light shuts off. Mobile phone prepaid, yeah, here yeah. In right. India, so right? Yeah. yeah, and uh, that Africa M-Pesa was a great case study because they enabled more and more people to have access to energy, etc. Mm. So again, same here, right? Uh, both collection is sorted and also control over the vehicle is much better because the way we have built our scooter is that no other battery would work on this. It's VCU controlled. So, VCU has to talk to the battery which has a BMS. Only then the vehicle will run.
0: So okay, if you battery management system and vehicle communication. Vehicle
1: uh, vehicle control unit. Control they unit, have to yeah. talk to each other only then the vehicle will run. Got it. So, let's say someone doesn't pay. Um, you can shut it down. You can yeah. shut it down. It doesn't even work. Mm. Um, so, It's much easier for now banks and others to take bets and finance vehicles, which means now we are enabling more and more people to have access to uh, mobility. So cheaper, more financing from banks. How about the
0: OPEX, like per kilometer cost?
1: It beats petrol price. Um, uh, Let's say a battery swapping cost. Let's say a person owns a battery, Mm -hmm. that scenario. He charges, let's say, two kilowatt hour battery at his home. It takes two units to charge um, the battery. And At a commercial rate of seven rupees a unit, it'll cost you fourteen rupees to get you some sixty-five kilometers. Okay. Um, versus uh, versus three and a half rupees per kilometer on a petrol vehicle. So one rupee versus three and a half. Like even is an like easy. easy one. Okay, yeah, so three yeah. times cheaper. But on even office. if you the three one rupee includes the battery cost as well. Yeah. Not just the energy cost. The battery. Let's is do a it that way because yeah, fuel yeah. is you're, you're right. Not, yeah. You're right. So so it's one third cheaper. Yeah. And there is no maintenance on this. There is no oil change. A lot of things. So we think. If you see a um, uh, high uh, two-wheeler user, let's say a swiggy uh, gig worker, right? He does 100 kilometers a day. Um, if he switches to EV, he will be easily able to one save close to about yeah. five thousand five hundred to six thousand bucks uh, a month, which is probably twenty five percent of his earnings. And that's a massive sum we are talking about.
0: So then, why on the con- customer education side? Let's talk about that, right? So there is right. a lot of right. noise one around vehicles not being available. Yeah. The second is this talk of fire on the yeah. batteries, safety, yeah. just some of these. Can yeah. you address yeah. some of the questions? Yeah. yeah.
1: So today, if you see who are, who are those who are selling vehicles in India, um, the large OEMs, which would have been selling this in large numbers, they haven't gone uh, full pedal on this, right? As in, they're still selling very few numbers. They're not even amongst the top uh, EV sellers. Um, the, there were a bunch of folks who started selling electric wheels much early. But what they did was they imported everything from China, Uh, And they assembled it here and they were selling it. So they have not invested in technology or uh, anything indigenous, because of which the quality of the vehicle is also bad. And uh, uh, also they don't understand a lot of things that they're doing. As in the battery, they get Aziz, they don't know whether the BMS is there, etc., which is also resulting in fires that you might be seeing. So for an educated person... Why will to... a
0: BMS cause fire? No.
1: So see, BMS is like uh, CPU CPU yeah. for your battery. Yeah. So it will tell when the energy should come in or when the energy should go out. So today, the uh, NMC batteries that we talk about, right? Lithium-ion NMC. They are by itself volatile. As in, uh, uh, if they're dropped. What happens is the same AAA cells that you see, Anand, more or less something like that, gets packed about 120 or more, uh, all of these cells get packed and becomes a two kilowatt hour pack. Mm-hmm. Um, what happens is that uh, if they go through a hit or something or if it is not packed well, where basically thermal runway or anything can happen, right? So lithium ion NMC by itself, if it is not packed well, etc., or if it's dropped, it's risky. Mm. Now, what happens when we talk about um, uh, BMS is that if any such incident happen, um, it will make sure that energy is not going in, as in you're not charging it, Or you're not discharging it so it's contained there is no fire which will happen but if the bms is not smart basically it has to cut off it acts like a fuse and it will also be smart to tell what has to be done Mm. so if the bms is like a software algorithm along with a bit of hardware which has to figure all of this out if that is not smart what happens is if you plug it either to the vehicle or to the charging point it sends energy and because of which it explodes Mm. Uh, the cells explode so bms has to be there and sales have to be, um, a good sales have to be used. And the problem is that packing has to be done really well. Uh, today, a lot of audience don't have visibility at, on this at all. And they're just bringing it and selling it. So that's why you see a lot of rural sales are happening. In city, the sales are just picking up. Hmm. Um, in rural, people don't understand this. And cheap Chinese uh, uh, versions are out there. I was talking to someone in Bihar. They said that every um, week, about two or three trucks comes in and it all gets sold. Mm. For a consumer, it's just been in rural markets, the consumer is just worrying about petrol cost, cost of maintenance, and they're also being told that it will not be registered. While certain vehicles have to be registered, they're even skipping that. Mm. So there have been a lot of um, bunch of folks who are just importing everything and just selling it. Um, And now startups are trying to uh, get into this build scale. Unfortunately, it's not like software where you can put 100 coders and try to ship out an app next day, right? It's a hardcore supply chain game. You have to get everything in place. You have to test it out. You have to be sure the vehicle works. These investments have not been made um, because of which there is delay in terms of uh, the number of vehicles which we can ship. Mm. Um, Also, I think now that companies are seeing investments and reliable players are getting into this, consumer education would happen and quality also will come in. Because of which we think uh, even an educated person will start going towards uh, electric vehicle as a uh, as a main mainstream way of moving from point a to
0: the point. The traditional OEMs are they starting to do more in the? Uh, they are starting
1: to do more, but I think um, uh, we might feel that OEMs have been around for a long time. They have an upper hand in this. If you see what traditional OEMs have been doing, they have been manufacturing and they have been highly dependent on distributors, that is the dealers, to sell it. So. Um, they have, these are the two things that they do really well, right? Um, But when it comes to electric vehicles, on petrol vehicles, the IP was engine. When it comes to electric vehicles, uh, motors are something which are available, which means many players can get into this. And petrol OEMs don't have expertise either on the motor or the battery. Hmm. So they are also starting from scratch. And um, today, um, they're also starting from scratch. And when you talk about EV value chain, uh, we think the way we visualize EV value chain can be much more different. Mm. Earlier, it was manufacturing as a game. You make a one-time transaction margin on selling the vehicle and wait for some money to come from repairs and maintenance. In EV, it can be game changer. Uh, if you manufacturing is only one part of it, you can distribute it yourself. You can even finance it because you understand a lot about this vehicle and you can offer energy as a service. So for the first time, uh, selling vehicle is just beyond manufacturing. Um, So it will get a lot of capital. It will get a lot of attention on a lot of players will try to get into this, which will include the OEMs. But the good thing is that they'll also have to start from scratch when it comes to both battery BMS. Most interesting thing is that BMS is software part of it, which OEMs have never invested on or they don't they're not in a way I can say that they don't get it so easily like how startups get uh, the software part of it. right? So that part is going to be struggle for OEMs. For startups like us, what will be struggle is to bring the discipline of manufacturing, right? That mm-hmm. is something that we are startups are not at. used to. They are used to, so yeah. it's going to be interesting times there.
0: So let's talk about another stakeholder here, which is the government, right? So what what is the government doing here? Um, what do you want them to do? Maybe right. let's talk about that right. a little bit.
1: Yeah, right. So um, so government clearly uh, wants one thing, which is um, the f- forex that we spend on fuel has to come down we spend a lot of money on uh buying oil uh which has to come down they are figuring, they felt that um ev is one way they also understand that hydrogen is another way so they are working on that uh but while doing this uh they've also given subsidies for to make this affordable etc all of that right make electric scooters affordable uh with the recent fires etc now they are saying that okay they want to they want to make sure that the standards of the vehicles are better etc but the vehicles are certified tested etc but it is not like the usual testing, right? So I don't think governments are used to this concept of software testing, which is a BMS testing. Or once a scooter is sold, um, it has to still do well. Uh, because anything can happen even after the testing is done and the scooters are sold. So government is trying to figure out how do we test them? How do we put that trust to a user on which vehicles are good to go? All the vehicles which are in the market today are government approved. Mm. It has gone through the same set of testing. Mm. But government is figuring out how do we make sure that we've done everything to put this out to a consumer. Today, they're asking us to make sure that we have done everything before putting out a scooter, but that alone will not be enough. So I think there'll be some time where governments will figure out what kind of testing, what kind of control mechanisms uh, to make sure that the vehicles out there are safe. That is one part of it. The second, that is around trust, uh, which government is going to give to general public saying that, okay, this is good to go. Second is um, uh, subsidies is what they started. Um, the FAME 2, right? The FAME yeah. subsidies, FAME yeah. 2. And states also gave came out and gave some subsidies.
0: How much is that? And then is, that that, is it that it, to stay? Yes. Help us understand that. Yes. Yeah.
1: yes. So, today government, the way they've given subsidies is based on the kilowatt hour. So, uh, uh, government probably would not have spent too much time thinking on this. Uh, is that today, um, the more the size of the battery, you get bigger subsidy, which means that there is no incentive in, uh, incentivization for companies to be smart mm. and pack the right amount of energy. And uh, they give 15,000 per kilowatt hour. So if I'm packing 2 kilowatt hour, I get 30,000 subsidy. But someone just wants to pack a larger battery, 4 kilowatt hour, it gives them 30,000 subsidy. And we have seen a lot of OEMs recovering a portion of their vehicle cost by just making the battery size bigger, mm. which is not good for anyone. Um, and government initially did not think about battery swapping and battery swapping as a service. But our Honorable Finance Minister spoke about battery swapping as a service and how it can make scooters affordable in the budget speech itself. And uh, Neeti Aayog is working on coming out with the battery swapping policy. Government wants interoperability, uh, but it's it's not a very easy thing, right? They're saying that the batteries should be interoperable between different vehicles as such. While it's doable, uh, it needs consent of the OEMs, it needs a lot of things to fall in place.
0: Is there a standard for swapping?
1: So globally, there are no standards. I was reading that China recently came up with some standards in April uh, around battery. uh, Still not battery swapping, if I'm right. Government is trying to put together a bunch of swapping standards. One is on the dimension and one is on the connector, which can go in there. And there are two philosophies on battery swapping. One is called as a hot swap, where there are no cables. You just put it in and the battery works. And there is one with cable. Mm -hmm. Government thinks the one with uh, no cables is safe. But it's counterintuitive. We have been doing this for some time. Uh, the one with cables are safe because it's IP67. When I say IP67, it's waterproof. Mm. Once you put in a cable, even if it moves, the battery moves, uh, the vehicle doesn't disconnect. Mm. In India, w- battery uh, ba- basically vibrations because of road condition is very normal, right? So if you just put the battery, irrespective of the kind of packing you do, one you will spend a lot of money on packing it right, and if it moves. Um, it will disconnect and dust can get accumulated. A lot of things can go in there. So we have moved to something called as a connector-based battery. Um, So today, if you see the Google of the world, they don't have cable. But once they are in India and they run, they will probably switch to the one with the cable. Uh, But what we are talking to government is to tell them, have one or two options when it comes to battery swapping standards. Don't force fit one. Mm. Because you might curtail innovation. Mm. You might curtail all possible things which can happen better in this. If you just force fit everyone to do something, then nobody will work on innovating on this, right? They'll just follow because it's a standard. So most of the requests from startups and others to comment on this when they're making policy is, one, make it for India. Don't try to copy paste from some global markets because some global player is talking to you about this. Uh, uh, Second is that, we don't know what would work. So why don't you run three or four pilots on this and see what actually works for India. Don't be in a hurry. Yes, it's a good thing to come up with battery swapping standards, interoperability standards, but don't be in a hurry to push some standard which has not been tested in the road. Hmm. Um, so these are two requests that we are having with the government. We'll have to see how um, the government will respond to this. And you've been
0: commu- uh, communicating yes, with the government yes. and they've been receptive. To yeah, we've yeah. been
1: communicating with the government. We've been... Uh, they have been uh, receptive they've been understanding um, but also as you know the lobbies always are there right so big companies uh, have their own things to say but I think uh, the governments are very receptive we met uh, uh, our uh, honourable transport minister Nitin Gadkariji we explained to him in person so he was very surprised seeing things on always when you see it in real Mm -hmm. is different than as compared to seeing it on the lab report or on the the paper right so uh, we have been making our representations so I think uh, the good thing will come out
0: Awesome. Yeah. Good, man. So maybe uh, one last question from my side. So we've talked about global uh, EV in general, India, and how consumers should look. What What are your plans? Like, let's uh, going yeah. forward. Do you see yeah. this as Indian going global? Anything you want to talk about? Yeah. yeah. We? yeah. So
1: uh, When we started thinking about electric scooter, we wanted to build something which is very sturdy and with DC on mind, right? So a lot of mobility companies across the globe including the delivery companies, fleet operators, they respect us for the learnings that we have. So by default, we have got a lot of export orders. Uh, as we speak, we have like 30,000 plus orders to send into places like Turkey, Europe, LATAM, and even some African uh, countries. So we definitely think export will be one of the things that we will do. Uh, we see energy as a service as a very interesting piece. Um, what What essentially happens when you separate the battery from the scooter is that It just not makes it affordable and convenient, etc. Another big problem around renewable and sustainable energy is that all the renewable energy, the biggest problem is how do you store it? Because if you don't store it, if you send it to the grid when the grid doesn't need it, the renewable energy companies are penalized or they have to sell it at a very low price. So energy storage for renewable energy is very important. What will essentially happen with battery swapping as a service for a country like India, imagine 200 million vehicles, so at least, say, 200 million batteries mm-hmm. of 2 kilowatt hour. It's a substantial energy uh, storage capacity that you're building, which can also be used to store renewable energy. And you can store energy and you can send it back to the grid. So I can visualize that over a period of time, let's say two or three people coming to office on an electric scooter, um, they can buy energy from the uh, uh, from renewable energy source directly, store it for the five, six hours they are at work, uh, and at the right point, they can send it back to the grid and they actually can trade on energy with their scooter, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of interesting things can happen. Today, we as energy operator can do it. But very soon, people also should be able to do that. Um, government of India has now reduced the uh, uh, capacity of power that you should consume to buy it directly from renewable companies. It used to be one megawatt. They're bringing it to uh, 100 kilowatt or so, which means that uh, uh, anyone should be able to buy and sell renewable energy, store energy and sell it back to the grid. So, these can be very interesting uh, times. So,
0: who would uh, a common person buy energy from and sell it back? I'm Uh, trying to understand this concept. So,
1: let's say, uh, so today there are, let's say there is a solar uh, plant who is making some energy. At home?
0: Home solar? It can be
1: home solar or it can be a large uh, plant as well. Okay. Let's make it home solar, right? Yeah. Um, uh, Let's say home solar in Axel office, we have a solar plant. Yeah. uh, Solar panels, which can power your scooters and... uh, let's say the vehicle got charged here and uh, which is almost at, let's say one, two rupee a unit kind of cost. Now, this person who has charged the vehicle here, let's say he goes home and he does he still has two kilowatt hour of energy, which he doesn't need till next day morning. He can, and P cars are usually in the night and evening uh, when it talks about a grid. So you can uh, send the energy back to the grid and you get paid for it.
0: And then you charge again in the morning and yeah, drive back? Yeah, you can again. Or,
1: and yeah. beauty is that all of this BMS, can make it very easy. You don't have to decide anything. You can set the BMS in such a way that it can figure out when the energy prices are the lowest and charge your battery at that time and can decide the trigger when energy has to be sold. Mm. So you can essentially the battery swapping units that we are talking about can be trading devices, which can do all of it by itself. And to give you a context, energy is today getting traded at Uh, at certain hours of the day, energy is being sold at 1.6 to 2.2 rupees a unit. Mm. And at peak, they're sold at all the way to 22 to 24 rupees a unit. Mm. And all of that in a span of 24 hours. So in uh, in UK, it's a big thing. Uh, In a lot of European countries, energy storage is a big thing. So we think instead of putting a dedicated energy storage, uh, 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 like how uh, developed markets are doing, with battery swapping, we, we are tackling two problems. One is we are making scooters affordable. At the same time, batteries can also pay for itself and make more money for you very, by doing very this. Very
0: interesting. And then you can also use renewable energy to exactly. charge for the first time. The question, of question, Yeah, the first yeah.
1: time the question was, uh, will electric vehicles mean clean energy, right? Mm-hmm. You can actually say that. And you can directly enter into power purchase agreements with renewable energy companies. And it's a win-win for everyone. Yeah. yeah. And
0: even at home, I have solar power. That absolutely.
1: generates and sends
0: back to the grid. It's absolutely. as a consumer, you can do it even yeah. today, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I think it's not so far out there. Absolutely you can Store it, in your absolutely not. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful, great. Any any other? Maybe last question for you. You're you've come from a CA background, not traditional, and then you've learned so much on your own, and and now pivoted to multiple times to get to the business. You are any words that you want to share with founders who are listening uh, to this podcast? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Uh, i think uh, first uh, don't think uh, uh, i don't think i'm non-traditional uh that's a win for me so don't don't go with any biases that the world has for you saying that you're meant to do it not meant to do it or anything you follow what, what your passion is and the beauty of uh, figuring out what your passion is to continuously be on it uh because it's it's not something that you wake up and know that is your passion uh you just have to uh put in a lot of time for you to really figure out um what what keeps you going? So, uh, once you have figured what you, what keeps you going, it doesn't matter what you're doing uh, and how you're doing it. You will continue to be tackling that problem. So that's what has kept us going so far. So
0: awesome. Yeah, yeah. And any tips on how you learn a lot and maybe anything about how do you keep yourself up to date? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So mm-hmm. uh, uh, read a lot, a lot of random things, and uh, talk to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone has uh, a lot of things to give. So be a very open and uh, receptive. Talk about problems. Uh, the more you talk about problems, people will think about your problems and if they come across a solution, they come to you, uh, They give it to you. And I've seen people generally being kind. So uh, the more you ask for help, you get more help. And people will think about you and offer to help. So, um, yeah. so uh, don't be lost in uh, um, uh, worrying whether uh, asking help is wrong or whether you know everything or not. You don't have to know anything. Uh, you just have to be like a sponge and keep... Uh, absorbing things, as simple as
0: that. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, With that, uh, wish you and Bonds and Bonds Infinity the very best. Thanks, I Anand. think the best days are in ahead of us for Evie yes. and for you. So, thank you for joining. Thanks so much, Anand. Awesome. You. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Thanks for listening. Please do tweet us at Axel underscore India. We'd love to hear from you. And also, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already. Our website is seedtoscale.com slash insights, where you can find other such episodes from our series. That's all from us today. Stay safe. Thanks again for listening and goodbye.